we suddenly started to get asked by a few very local businesses to us about about PPE supply. And the very first part of that was a care home saying, we need some visors, can you help? You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips for making in the UK. So let's crack on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Make It British podcast. I'm going to keep on to the PPE theme this week after last week's episode when I talked about where we're actually at with PPE because today I'm interviewing one of the manufacturers in the UK who very swiftly pivoted their business and started manufacturing PPE here when they realised that there was a shortage and that healthcare trusts and local businesses really needed their help. So Paul Noble is the managing director of Specialised Canvas and his business has been making visors and now gowns um, for the last few weeks. And in this interview, he talks to me about how his business has done that, what the challenges have been and how he sees things moving forward. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Paul. I will put a link to where to find his business and where you can even buy some of his visors and gowns in the show notes for this podcast at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash 117. So hello, Paul. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Kate. Nice to be with you. So do you want to start by telling everyone um, Specialised Canvas what do you what do you do? What do you manufacture? Because I know when I first came across your business, I well, you do something quite completely different to what to what the name suggests, really, don't you? Do so many different things. Do you want to tell everyone? Yeah, what that well, is? I'll I'll try and give you a quick potted history. The the, the name is a, a little bit historic. It's a bit a bit like um, uh, car phone warehouse, if you like. It's rather obsolete. <laughs> we don't have car phones anymore. Well. Specialised Canvas um, has been around for nearly 40 years and it started off as a tarpaulin maker. We, we made canvas products at that time. Um, where we're based is in what was the North Derbyshire Coalfields area. And um, as the business was founded, there was a lot of black stuff being dug out of the ground and moved around in trucks and trailers and in pits. And so canvas suppliers were, were, were needed in the local economy. Um, but We've 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 changed and no business really can stay the same for forty years and um, we've we've basically now become a specialist textile products company. So we've got all sorts of um, applications for fabric and the, the the creation of products from fabric and from flexible films. So we both sew and do plastics welding and 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 turn it into tons of products. So I'll give you a, a little flavour of the kind of things we do. Um, we make things like massive filters for air conditioning systems and we make teepees oh. pumping teepees and things like that so wow so when did the business actually start then and who started the business was it was it yourself or a member of your family 
No, I'm, um, it's not actually a, um, a strictly a family business. Um, it, it was started. Um, I don't know the exact year, but let's it's, let's say early seventies um, by by a lady called Beryl Bullimore, who was um, uh, connected to uh, I think through through her husband, I think connected to a haulage firm, and they for, for many years um, just. Did, as I've described, they made tarpaulins for, for the trucks and trailers that were driving around. At that time, most of the lorries were flat open lorries. We, we don't see so many of those these days. No. The, business, the business just ticked along for, for, for 20 or so years doing that. And in 1991, it changed hands and it was bought by uh, a guy called Jonathan Brahma. And Jonathan Brahma um, uh, is a sort of an entrepreneurial person who's, you know, had several, several um, uh, enterprises that have developed. And he looked at this little um, sort of parochial tarpaulin maker and thought, mm, I can do something with this. I can turn it into um, a, uh, you know, what it was a cottage industry at that time. It was, you know, it was five employees um, making stuff in what was the old co-op shop in, in the town that we're based in. You know, we made, oh, tarp brilliant. We made tarpaulins upstairs and tents downstairs and, and, and um, there was no indoor plumbing. It was all a bit basic. And, um, um uh, he yeah so he got the thing going and I joined him a few years later I joined him in 1995 I was um, a year out of university and I'd just done a business and marketing degree and he just got to the point where he realized he couldn't do it on all on his own and um, so we looked at the business and thought well, what can we do with this and we the first diversification that we came up with was um, taking essentially offcuts of tarpaulin and turning them into banners so blank banners was was the first ah. thing that we did and we, we we've over the years created a number of spin-out little businesses from the core parent if you like and we, we created this thing called banner box and it was a really simple business model because a, a, a roll of tarpaulin material is worth maybe a pound a square meter or something like that um if you put a hem around it and call it a truck sheet it's now worth two pounds a square meter yeah but if you take the take that same offcut and call it a banner it's now worth five pounds a square meter and and um, and on it went and you know and then we then realized well hang on a sec rather than selling blank banners to um uh to sign writers to put their own graphics on why don't we employ the sign writer and this was still traditional brush and paint sign writing at that point yeah um and it's now worth 20 pounds a square meter and you know on it went so we we developed this business called banner box um from you know sort of as, as a organic growth thing and that quietly evolved and we got into the whole world of, of textile printing so specialized canvas as it exists today is made up of, of, of three smes we call them and we, the whole business is an sme but we yeah. call them smes so there's one division which is called banner box which is large format printing onto textiles and um onto fabrics of, of many kinds polyesters and things like that there's another division called flag makers which kind of does what it's said on, said on the tin and that's actually the amalgamation of quite a lot of very small flag making businesses that we acquired over the last few years and pushed together and created ah, right, okay. identity and, they also, and we also bought a flagpole business at one point as well so <laughs> natural bedfellows they, they sit together yeah. and then the third um leg of the stool we actually call specialized canvas it's both the parent company and the division name and and that's the text the specialist textile products um that business creates as i described all manner of things from very small like we make we make the bags that go into vending machines to catch your pound when it drops in yeah yeah and we, we we make very big things as well we make covers for 
generators on oil rigs and everything in between. So we've got a very scalable factory. And what we what we do is we rather than having long lines that make thousands of things at high 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 volume, low price, we tend to make small volume specialist things basically and that's 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 the three elements to the business what i think is really interesting is you epitomize a typical uk textile manufacturer in that you don't just make just one thing you've had to diversify and that's probably one of the main reasons why the business has lasted well it is i'm sure it is the main reason why the business has lasted whilst others closed down because you weren't just making one particular product you weren't just making dresses for marks and spencers for instance so you yeah. you weren't as vulnerable as some of those businesses that just had one type of product yeah yeah well we've had to pivot and then pivot mm. again um, i mean if we were still making flat sheets for for trucks we'd be out of business because yeah there's hardly any of those that get driving around anymore they're all curtain sides and tippers and things like that and you know we, we could make curtain sides we have made them actually but we don't choose to um um, because you know those that that business has just gone away, and, di- and ditto blank banners. They don't they don't really exist as a thing anymore. You know because most of the UK sign industry has gone out and bought big digital printers. They don't need somebody to give them a blank banner to put some sign writing on. So it's interesting that you. How do you know? At what point do you know it's a good time to pivot or do something different? And how would you sort of? What would you advise other manufacturers who are kind of? in the same situation they may be stuck in a bit of a rut making one particular type of product you, you, to be honest kate you you, you only see it in the rearview mirror you don't necessarily know that you've 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 made it made the decision at the right time but um to, to be honest you know you've got to back yourself and and, and go for it we've, we've we've had a few duff ones to be honest you know have you give me an example of a duff one yeah i mean we one of the one of the diversifications we went up was um we, we 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 print using this rather nice technique called dye sublimation print yeah you may have come across it but basically we can dye into fabric so unlike say a laser printer where you're spraying ink onto the surface of your paper or your textile or whatever with dye sublimation it's actually bonded into the fibers and so this this technique we were using by this point to make flags and we, we realized mm. actually you could use it for fine art reproduction and um, so we we got um, involved with a whole bunch of artists, phot- photography and watercolorists and all sorts of things, and started reproducing these things onto fabric. Um, and their 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 art. So it was a they liked it because it was a way of artists need uh, applications for their art, if you like. So it it seemed like a good idea. But the, what we missed was. Um, the market, if you like, we we came up with a product and didn't really understand whether there was a market for it. But we've done this before. You know, if you spend a long time researching a market and a lot of money, you only discover it's a bad idea. Whereas you might as well just go and do it and find out if it's a bad idea. Um, and um, yeah, so to complete the story, um, we 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 um, created another little spin out called the Canvas Art Company, and we were producing these kind of boxed canvases that 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 um, were quite popular maybe about... Oh, I know the sort of things, yeah. Um, where you, you've got a wrapped canvas around a frame and we thought, yeah, that'd be a market selling them to hotels and cafes and things like that. What we didn't realise was actually the market was having your own photograph reproduced with a picture of the kids or the dog or grand and granddad or whatever. And there was a load of online people like Snapfish and Photobox all piled into that market and they'd, they'd do a basically a serviceable job for 20 quid um whereas our price point was like 100 quid so so um 
that market just didn't really work. And that's an example of something where we tried it and, you know, it, it, it burned bright and then faded rather, relatively quickly. But then I suppose you found something else to do with the machinery you'd already bought or thought you already had for that. Yeah. Did well, you? that I mean, that was the beauty of it because the same equipment was, we, A, we already owned the equipment, so it was it was just better utilisation of the equipment. Um, and, and and then even after that market went away, we still used the equipment because we make flags on it. So, so yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was it was a low risk um, uh, way of, of seeing if there was another way to, to to put more print into the market using our combination of skills, which by that point was printing, to, uh, creating things from textiles, finishing, and and a, a marketing skill, if you like, as well. Yeah, needed to. Know, we just could see that there was an opportunity um, in a, in a certain area, but maybe not as broad as we thought. Mm. So up at so we're obviously we're in lockdown now at the time of recording this right in the kind of peak of the coronavirus in the UK give everyone an idea of exactly where your business was at 6 or 7 weeks ago before all this happened well yeah i mean certainly we we, we didn't see this coming entirely did we i mean i know the government is is copping a lot of flack now for for lack of preparedness but um um, equally, I don't think any of the of, of the public really understood what was potentially going to happen to Britain. Um, so yeah, well, we we we'd had a good good start to the year. You know, everything was heading in the right direction. You know, sales were slightly ahead of target. We 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 we, we got some good orders coming in, some new inquiries, and um, um, we were we were relatively busy as a business. Um, we'd um, uh, we you know we we got um, just towards the end of March, and it was all it was all looking quite rosy. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden, we found ourselves in a situation where um, it was clearly getting an awful lot more serious in terms of the, the severity of the coronavirus outbreak. Europe was becoming the, the, the pandemic hotspot and um, Brit- Britain was um, sort of suddenly um, at its own, becoming its own epicentre, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And but by the end of March, you still had a full quota of staff, did you, in the factory? Yes, yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've grown to the point where we we are about a sort of seventy-five person business now, um, and the majority of those people are manufacturing people. So we, you know, we it's it's. Um, Something I've I've always been very um, strong about is the, the the benefits of making stuff local to your your market, and we, we our market is Britain basically. We don't want mm. an awful lot, so yeah. So we we've got we've got sort of sixty odd people um, across our our factory spaces, all all very busily making stuff, and um, there's a degree of seasonality to our business as well. Um, uh, the 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 the, um, the large format print side of the business is is quite linked to events and yes to, of course which like I know very well yeah, yeah, yeah. printing for events uh, yeah that's completely gone out of the window yeah. and and retail as well you know we print yeah. we print for retail and um, we we print for um, all sorts of different sort of activities mark you know marketing print basically and of course you know that went off and it's always that part of the business is always very short lead times you know um yeah on a monday i don't know what we're going to be printing on a friday i mean i'd be lucky <laughs> if we're going to be printing on a wednesday so yeah and that's true because with my event we usually the setup days on a monday and we are still ordering the printing on the friday the weekend before yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, i've given up getting stressed with people about um, um not thinking about these things in advance because it's just yeah. it's impossible <laughs> um so yeah so so that that business kind of went off like a light bulb um yeah the moment that um 
uh, Boris stood up and said, go home and um, uh, don't, you know, don't go to work unless it's absolutely essential. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. If you're, if, if, if you can switch to home work and then of course that was the advice and you should do that. But the majority of manufacturing can't go and work from home. No. You can't move a Not, 20 ton yeah. printing machine and put it in your back room. Can you So no, and indeed you could have somebody to sell that print to, even if you could. So, so yeah, so we, we found ourselves, I mean, I've got the dates are etched in my head because I can remember it all very clearly at the moment. Um, but yeah, we found, I found myself stood in front of the staff um, uh, on a, on a Tuesday. Boris has spoken on a Monday. I f- stood in front of the staff on the Tuesday and said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to send you home because. Yeah. That was the 24th of March, 2020, was, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's, that, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and um, at that point I, you know, I'd, I'd, well, prior to that, we'd already seen it getting more severe, and we'd 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 written and ripped up um, about four different strategies. You know, we were thinking right the week before we were thinking, right, well, we'll maybe send them home fifty fifty, so we'll have half in, half at home. Yeah. Um, and uh, social distancing was only just becoming a word at that point. You know, um, but but we recognised that you know from a, from a um, continuity point of view, we couldn't necessarily afford to keep everybody employed continuously at 100 percent because there wasn't a there wasn't the work for them and b because we're so short term we, we we're used to living short term but because we are so short term um when when um orders stop your cash flow stops very quick as well so so that that was the situation there in, in other parts of the business we do have a longer lead time on on the on the specialist zone products you know we do have yeah uh weeks of work not months we don't know what we're doing in say eight weeks time but but there's still um a degree of of um of, of forward sight on those parts of business so we did we did have a um, a degree of, of of work but at the time that the announcement was made i must admit we, we I, I don't think we necessarily overreacted but the, the advice as it was given was very much go home stay at home and it, it it was very much focused on retail businesses and leisure businesses yeah. and non non food um, outlets and things like that. Um, it didn't really mention what manufacturing should do. So it didn't. I, no. We, we no, kinda, all building sites. Kind of just had to make our own interpretation, and you know, you're doing it on the hoof. I have a small board, four four or five of us, and we 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 sat down and said, well what do we do so we, we we took a view and of course your staff are nervous as well they don't they they, they they've got legitimate concerns about their, their their own and their families and their their dependents well-being um so they suddenly become very twitchy about wanting to be anywhere near anybody else so um the right thing to do seemed seem to be send them home um uh, the government um, had just announced the furlough scheme at that point as well so um, it became possible to consider doing something along those lines although we'd already come up with half a plan before that um, and and yeah we, we we i literally i wrote a cash flow forecast which suggested we were going to have zero turnover in april yeah and then and then of course um there was the call out by the government wasn't there that so that was about that same week um yeah. and i know i sent round the form and i'm sure you filled it in the government form about can you, are you a business that can help during covid-19 in any way possible yeah um what did you do at that point, and when did you decide to just start cracking on and making your own products? Well, I mean, yeah, what, um, yeah, well, what I've not mentioned is what happened quite, quite after that, which was um, 
we, we, we've metamorphosized in the last month into being a PPE mm. manufacturer. You have, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And and this, the 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 sequence of yes, so that so there was the government sort of um, um, can you help um, uh, call to arms, which we which was pushed out through lots of channels. So they did they did a perfectly good job of getting that out to people because I saw it from um, yeah your your circulars from other people, and also it was pushed out by various tra- um, tender portals and stuff that we yeah all sorts, of tra- all sorts of channels. So that worked, um, but. Um, what what then happened from our point of view was we suddenly started to get asked by a few very local businesses to us about about PPE supply. And the very first part of that was a care home saying we need some visors. Can you help? So so the timeline here is um, we've sent FDO home on a Tuesday. Care home rings us on a Wednesday, one day later. And we've got some very good R and D guys. We've got an engineer um, as one of our directors, whose whose actual training is product development. And um, he looked around at the materials that we have to hand and the the, the, the machinery we have. So um, uh, clear plastics, um, high frequency welding, um, sewing, etc. And and within literally within the day, he'd come up with a rudimentary visor, which was which was a um, a, 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 a shield shaped piece of material a headband and elastic strap basically um and by the so so by thursday we'd made a few and and by the friday they were with the care home so that was the beginning of it Uh, and then you're on the bbc with me on the breakfast hang on a second this this is going to be massive in terms of requirement and the rumblings are already starting i mean it's been it's been a whole month now the rumblings are already starting about um um scarcity of, of supply in, in in the front line and um so we went and i said this is this is something that's needed here um and then simultaneously um we've also uh, um uh, because of the nature of the business we're in and and, and um we, we kind of know other people doing some of the things we got approached about making gowns and um uh, uh, a guy who had got a large quantity of the non-woven material needed for making isolation gowns, um, realised that his own facility was only going to be able to produce um, a, a, a finite volume of product. And he, he just picked up the phone to me and said, Paul, um, you know, could you, could you make some gowns? And yeah. uh, I looked at it and thought, well, you know, we've got an empty factory and um, um, it's basically a very, very simple product. You just need an overlock. Mm. That's, the, that's the only sewing machine yeah. you need. Um, and we've got loads of those, um, and um, uh, you and you need the ability to to, to cut the pattern basically. Um, and so I said, "Yeah, we'll give it a go." It was kind of a "we've nothing to lose" type situation. Yeah. Um, and uh, and how did you bring the staff back in to do to make those products? Then how difficult was that to con- continue with social distancing, but also have staff in the factory? Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, clearly not totally straightforward. But I mean, the first thing I did um, was um, put out a, 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 a and it was an email to to, to all staff, um, you know, because we can we can send stuff out, saying, look, I need some volunteers. Can can anybody volunteer to come and sew? I needed. I, I didn't really know, but I said I need five people at that point. Is what I said. Yeah. Um, and it was brilliant. I, I got five responses almost as fast as the emails went out, which which was which was one brilliant. You know, those those staff, you know, have not 
stopped essentially you know that if this was three or four days into this timeline that we've just taught yeah and um they yeah they they came in so we've we've arrived when we've got all sorts of skilled people within the business and 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 some of the um people we've got have got historic experience of working in volume textile business so they 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 know about you know how to put a garment together at speed basically yeah which is what you need to make yep. those gowns because they're not yeah and you know i was just speculating i thought well we can probably produce you know a I know a hundred a day. Or I thought I, I really didn't know because it's not what we're used to. Is you know we're, we're as I say we're we're more kind of um, low low volume high price type product normally. Exactly. This yeah. This is high volume, very very low price. Um, um, so you've got to make them, you know, with it with timing in seconds, literally. Yeah. Um, and how long, as you mentioned, timing? How long does it take you? Now you've made a few of the gowns. How long does it take per gown? Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. About a, a total. Well, the total labour element of a gown is about six minutes. Just the sewing, or including the cutting, the whole cutting, CMT. Cutting, cutting, sewing, packing in the box. Six. Oh, you're quick because other people have said to me eight to ten minutes. So that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the new benchmark well, now. We, I like that. Six yeah, yeah. minutes. Well, it's you know we've 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 got to get it to that sort of speed. I mean, one of yeah one of the one of the variants is the way that we cut. Um, because traditional textiles will do um, like two hundred lays and yeah. cut through with a with a with a big knife, and um, uh, that's you know that gives you the, the speed with volume. We use single lays, so we've got CNC cutters, um, so big, ah. um, and um, so they they're good for cutting one offs, which again normal business, um, but um, slightly slower if you tr- if you happen to cut hundreds yeah. of offs basically but we realized that you could act we, we've got these rolls coming into our cutter so we realized if we stacked up three rolls of fabric we could feed the whole lot and we could get three lays and and cut through them so three lays doesn't sound very much but when when you're cutting when it takes you 30 seconds per garment divide that by three that's now only 10 seconds per garment yeah so, oh, that's uh, good brilliant so, so how many gowns do you if you were if you were to bring all your staff back yeah how many gowns could you make a week well we've gone <laughs> and bought more overlockers so that we can have you more, brilliant yeah. and more and and found more staff have yeah, yeah, you well, we've, to... we've now got about half the staff back uh, as you say brilliant distancing is half of the challenge basically yeah um, but I can't, we're kind of, again, we're kind of lucky in that our facility is all geared up to relatively large products. So as a result, yes, so you've got lots of yeah, space. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. So we've got a total of about 25,000 square foot of space. And all of the, if, if you get, ever get a chance to come and visit us, you'll see all. Which the, I will do when lockdown's over. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, you really should. You really should. But all the benches are spread um so there are basically two meter gaps between sewing machines of course yeah and, like the same with someone that's making curtains or something like that yeah exactly yeah yeah so so, so we're able to put um people i mean we initially started with the first five but actually using alternate stations so we've got yeah double gaps if you like um um but even with single gaps we still get the spacing that we need um but it is difficult. I can't lie. You know, you, you, people are people are moving around in a manufacturing environment. You're not yeah. down your bum the entire time, and you've got to move up walkways, and you've got to pass product from station to station. And um, um, but common sense is applied. You know, we've we've 
we've we've created ways of doing that we've yeah we've issued everybody with as i mentioned we're making visors so we've issued everybody with visors and yeah lots of clinicians who who, who recognize visors are actually a distance you know they're a good distancing tool when you can't yes meters of, yeah they, they create that distance in terms of of spread because yeah not exhaling onto somebody or somebody like something like that um so so yeah it, it it's it's a challenge but we've probably got about as many people back as we can feasibly do within within the the confines of the of of the building um but that gives us a capacity in the order of 500 to 600 gowns per day um so so you know we can get two and a half thousand a week out um yeah without without too much sweat and my production manager reckons we can go more but yeah the, the limitation until this week that's just gone has been availability of material um yes so what's that the throttle's just about to be unleashed because material is now starting to flow in really big yeah um the the stuff that we had available initially believe it or not was material that was that pre-existed before the the um lockdown occurred that was destined to make isolation gowns for nuclear workers um ah i see i wondered how you got hold of the fabric when other people hadn't yeah yeah been able to get it yeah there was was circa ten thousand meters of that available um and we've we're now working as part of a consortium of about five factories who are all producing identical garments Um, brilliant between us there's about a million meters of material on order so um, it's about two meters of material per garment. So yes. hypothetically, between us, we've got five hundred thousand garments worth of material available. Fantastic! That's amazing. Mm. That's really good. So, what would um, do you? I mean, how do you think this will pan out? Um, you've got that material available and coming. Do you think this will be a long-term commitment to making PPE for both for your business but also for other manufacturers in the uk it's it probably not if i'm absolutely honest because we've done all of this at our own risk um Mm. we mentioned um uh, the the government's call to arms well we 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 haven't had any reaction to that at all um um i do think government struggles to interact with smes they just don't yeah so true yeah and the textile industry as a whole i would say but my experience now yeah the government acts at a macro level so it really doesn't um have the ability to go and talk to 20 smes when it could go and talk to 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 one um multinational basically yeah um and that's that's part of the challenge the government faces And, and clearly ministers have taken a lot of flack for this um but I, I genuinely don't see how um, that that would necessarily be be changed. There's obviously lots and lots of initiatives, and the, the, you know the DTI and and, and um, other departments are all desperate to try and um, engage with 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 British business, but they just they just struggle to be honest. And yeah. so that's why it needs SMEs to just act on their own initiative. Yeah, um, definitely. So we yeah. So I. I I mean, I think I think there is a, um, uh, a sustainable market for a period, but um, one of the reasons why it's become so important at the moment is just the scarcity in 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 the local in the UK, so to speak, um, of, of the product and um, procurement historically and normal in normal times is driven by 
you know, the lowest compliant bid. You know, have you? This is the specification. Can you meet the specification? Yes. Right. What's your price? Uh, yeah. And and that that's the only way. And that the procurement knows knows really most 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 tenders work on that basis. Yeah, and the government aren't used to the way the because the UK textile industry is structured quite differently in that the vast majority of our manufacturers that work within sewn products are working on a CNT basis. So someone else provides the fabric for them. And that I think is what's completely flummoxed them in this instance is they've put a call out for people that can make gowns and everyone was like, well, yeah, of course I can make them, but show me where I get the fabric from because I'm just CMT. So this is where it has. And I think that's also with the press in particular and, and a lot of the bad press about, oh, you know, UK manufacturers could make PP, but it's not happening. I think that has been because of this misunderstanding about the CMT process and how manufacturers... Yeah, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to make your own luck a little bit. You can't, you can't just sit and say, oh, well, the government hasn't contacted me. I'm not... I don't have to. You've got to... You, you do need to, you know, have a bit of, uh, of entrepreneurial initiative to go and find that material. You know, it does not that hard to find... You need, the, the stuff you need for... for um, Gout making is 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 um, non wovens and yeah. Google non wovens. There's there's Don and Low in Scotland. There's there's yeah. um, there's uh, various other manufacturers' names escape me, but but um, um, there 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 are places that are making this stuff in the UK. So you can find it. All right, they may not have it on the shelf, but that stuff's starting to become available now. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, we just at our own risk decided that that it was viable to start making these products. Um, but we've got no contracts. You know, we're just we're just supplying direct um, into NHS trusts and um, primary care um, on an order by order basis. So if those guys decide they're going to stop ordering, we're going to be left holding the baby. So so um, yeah. Um, and I was gonna I was gonna ask that. I mean, do you think there's a there's a mad panic at the moment while we're in the peak of the virus and and all the NHS kind of trusts are looking for per PPE. How do you, you know, what's going to happen when that drops off? How uh, you don't want to be left with mountains and mountains of gowns, millions of gowns, do you? No, no, not really. No, no. <laughs> how how do you think you'll pivot again when all this is over? And, and how will you know when it is time to repivot? Well, I mean, unless, um, I mean, maybe the government, let's give them a little bit of, uh, of, 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 of a chance. They might play catch up. Um, but what, what businesses like mine have done is gone very quickly into kind of this word I used previously pivot mode. Yeah. And I said, right, we, we've got, in my case, no market for printed banners at the moment. I can use the same people in the same equipment to now make PPE, which is in critical um, shortage. Um, and um, I've got to a certain point spot where the PPE demand is leveling off and dropping and where the the other market's coming back you know that's and yeah there's probably going to be a dip on both where one's coming up and one's going down and that's probably going to be our down point but we'll just have to see so for your business then you will pivot back into making you know your event banners or or teepees or whatever after this but do you think there is a long-term um manufacturing like a long-term manufacturing of ppe that could happen in the uk for some manufacturers do you think it's viable i I think in the post-mortem after all this is all over 
um there's going to be some it's all about resilience basically isn't it? it's all about can you know have you got the right things in the right place when something mm. like this happens and this is a once in a, a hundred year event that we're living through at the moment and so it's incredibly hard as, as a planner as a government planner to say right we need to stockpile in case there's another outbreak in 2050 or something yeah. like that because you just a you don't know whether it's going to happen or not and b if i make it now it's no use in 2050 it's obsolete you know it's, it's not it's a very you know it is a very difficult one to answer mm. i think that there's got there's got to be a certain manufacturing base but one of the one of the facts is uk the uk is a high wage economy so you can't the cost of materials are effectively they're the same anywhere in the world you can you can you can plonk a roll of material in a factory factory in thailand or britain or germany or somewhere else in asia and that material landed is the same price the difference is the labor um so yes that's what we've as britain that's that's how we've got to structure our businesses so i don't as I say, I don't make high volume stuff very much. I make specialist stuff. So if I'm making stuff mm. that's, um, um, hard to, 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 to make, then the decision making point from the customer's point of view is not how much it's costing me. It's is it is it possible to source it and who can do it that's that's got the skills and the and the expertise to do it. So price is second it's price is still relevant, but it's secondary to the the actual availability, if you like. Um, and one of the reasons why many people are ramping up to make PPE in the UK at the moment is availability. There is lack of availability in the world market. Therefore, every manufacturer across every national market is trying to serve their own country and Britain needs to do the same. So that that is the reason why there is a market at the moment. But um, much as um, it would be nice to be able to continue at the rate we're continuing, we won't because the market will return to norms which will be free availability of product and it all then goes back to price again and we we will i I have to pay people i have a pride in paying people well above minimum wage yeah even those businesses that only pay minimum wage still can't complete with two dollars an hour you know it's just it's it's not possible yeah though i have i do think that there is going to be room for some manufacturers to make ppe going forward for instance the gowns you said you can make them in six minutes obviously whether they're disposable or reusable that six minutes is exactly the same so if the uk can pivot in its ppe sourcing and start making those gowns reusable then i think it's a viable option i think that's something we should interesting you should mention that because within a month we've diversified and we're now making washable gowns brilliant so so we're now making as well as making the non-woven ones which is where we started we're now making them making them in polycotton so scrub material brilliant yeah them in two ounce nylon as well which both of which can be machined high temperature washed so yeah um, that's that's and that material is relatively available so yeah that's exactly what i think i think and that's what i'm pushing for with the cabinet office right now so um yeah watch this space on reusable yeah. gowns because why would you spend you know a five pound or whatever to pay a manufacturer to to make up a gown which someone wears for half an hour and then just incinerates because as well you know we've got rid of disposable straws why do we still want to have disposable gowns yeah yeah so- 
yeah so i yeah, think I mean, that that obviously you know there is a an environmental consideration to these million exactly yeah. gowns that are being pumped into the market at the moment because they're all basically plastic at the end of the day so yeah um that, that is that is a real consideration um you know and a washable gown will will be good for 30 washes or so um yeah um, and yeah that's what i think yeah so agreed um there's just the you know the, the issue of with a washable can you effect can you effectively disinfect it um and make sure that it's 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 um um clean and ready for for reuse which i believe you can but i mean you can definitely we're looking into that as well so yeah so watch this space i think what you're doing paul is amazing i think what you're you know as a manufacturer you are so proactive and it's great you know to hear you say the word pivot and that's how your business has survived and grown to the size it is since you've been managing it i think is fantastic i think a lot of other manufacturers could definitely take a leaf out of your book yeah Uh, what are your plans for the next few years how where do you see specialized canvas going yeah well after I mean, this we it's interesting you should um you should ask that i mean you know i i've i've taken over as managing director just this year so so what a baptism baptism of fire that's been. gosh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've worked i've worked for the business for, for for more than 20 years um been a director for 10 years but um um jonathan brahma who i mentioned earlier um has, has, has now handed the reins over to me on a day-to-day basis and he's he's become chairman and um so yeah, little did I know what I was letting myself in for. But um, <laughs> but um, I yeah, I mean, I, I, my my ambitions of the business are to um, uh, move towards um, more specialist products because there's there's just tons and tons of things that have got a fabric element to them. Um, yeah, it, definitely. And, you know, so we can stick with our core skills. It's just finding different markets is the, is the challenge. Mm. So. Um, uh, we, you know, for example, we make um, specialist components that 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 go inside things for automotive. We make um, all sorts of weird and wonderful things for oil and gas. And now oil and gas is going on a bit, but maybe that's only got a short shelf life. So there's stuff that's applicable to renewable energy as well, and that's that's a growing business. Um, and also, this might sound a bit strange, but one of the things I'm trying to do with the business is move from a, uh, a, a sort of supply-only basis to actually more of a service basis. So, um, for example, um, in our flag business, um, one of the things we do is we make traditional sewn flags. So, so um, a com- if you want a company flag or, or, a, or a national flag, that's great. You can buy one off me and I'll sell it to you and send it in a package. That's fine. But that flag will get dirty you know it'll it'll wear out so i'm actually setting up a business to go and offer service so it's very much like a laundry service that a hotel would have ah um so we've got it's mainly london based at the moment but we've got a we've got a bunch of guys not in normal times who who look who look after all of these upmarket retailers that you might see on bond street or regent street that have got a, a, a are the flag poles yes they do yeah ralph lauren and all those sort of yeah of course we've got that kind of business and what we do is um turn up in the middle of the night take the dirty flag down um arrive with a nice clean one that we've already got put that up dirty one comes back we've got a laundry wash it and then repeat that again a month later and so it's a it's it's a, there's a horrible word but the servitization of the business if you like um yeah um, so we we make flags and we continue to make flags but we also 
um, maintain that interaction with the customer and we have an ongoing service requirement, we solve a problem for them, which is keeping Ooh, in good order. Yes. So that's like the subscription model, isn't it? Kind of. You see, because I've got everything on subscription these days. My fizzy water gets delivered on subscription. I mean, everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You've done that with with, stuff. We've become a nation of renters. We rent. We we rent our music. We rent our Mm. videos. Up. You know, we 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 don't own our own cars anymore. You know, everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And it's it's a very similar model. And so to be able to do that with a textiles business is something I'm very keen to grow and there's i've got some other ideas at the moment but i'm working brilliant yeah brilliant i love it that's really good thank you paul for your time today i'll i won't um keep you any longer do you want to tell everyone where's the best place if someone wants to get in touch with you what's the best way of doing so which is the best website okay fine well you can find that you can find the business at specializedcanvas.co.uk and our specialist ppe um division is at flexippe.com um, and if anybody wants to um, connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Paul Noble. And um, I'm also on Twitter. So um, just look for Paul Noble on Twitter and um, uh, follow the dots, as they say. Brilliant. Thank you very much today, Paul. You're a star. Thank you. Nice to speak to you, Kate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British-made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.